you are enough. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are precious. You are important. And today is your day. Don't forget to start the day waking with the word. Good morning. Welcome to the third part of No Fear, No Fear. I want to talk to you about a scripture this morning. It's one of the famous scriptures from the Bible. And it's a scripture that one day came to me as I woke up a few years ago. As it came to me, God said, you see this scripture as a gentle encouragement, but it's not. It's a command. And as he said that, I thought, how on earth can I ever follow that command? And I have tried, although many times slipped up over the last few years, to train my mind to follow this command. Today I was reminded of the scripture because God was telling me, Emily, you've forgotten this command. The scripture is, do not worry about anything, but pray about everything, always giving thanks. Do not worry about anything. How is this possible when, as I said yesterday, all of us have different things inside of our beings that trouble us and cause us to fear? I said yesterday that fear is almost like a skeleton that hides in the dark. And I'm going to say that the bones of that skeleton are our thoughts. And then when that thought produces a feeling within us, it's like putting flesh on the bones. And then when you've got flesh on the bones and muscle on the bones, the body is able to move. And when we have these thoughts, which are deep and worrying and stressing fears, you often find that your behavior acts out or you act out. Your behavior is in line with your fear and often sometimes not in line with reality. So you're in a certain situation and you fear something. And because of what you fear, you act to try and stop that thing from happening that hasn't actually already happened or stop that person from doing the thing that perhaps they haven't yet done. You know, you might be worried that your partner will cheat on you or worried that they will abandon you or worried that your friends will reject you. And so you act in a way to try and stop that from happening. And actually, because you're acting in a strange or pressuring or stressing way, that very thing often can end up happening. I had a friend and she so wanted to be wanted. She so wanted a friend group that she acted over the top all the time. There was an opportunity for her to have friends at one point and she just acted too friendly, too chatty. The fake and false smile was so apparent to everybody in that group that they thought she was weird, over the top, pressurising. And sadly, she didn't make any friends. She made herself the kind of person who was just too much to be around 
or so they said and thought. Ideally loved that person, and so I found it very hard to watch. The other thing that happened for that person was she actually did have friends. She had people who loved her dearly, who really enjoyed her time and being with her because she was comfortable with them and had known them for a long time. She was actually just herself. But she never fully accepted that she had these friends. She almost rejected those friends to try and find new friends because there was a thought within her that told her, you are rejected, you are not wanted, you are not popular, you are not accepted, you need people to look at you and want to be with you. And this group of people are more fashionable, are more worldly, whatever it may have been, that group of people was the people that she wanted to affirm her. And when they didn't, the fear was then evidenced to her. And she had more evidence that there was just something wrong with her. But the whole circle and the whole cycle came from a thought that was not actually reality. And her actions and her behaviour were moved and motivated by the feeling that she got because of the evidence that she saw, the perceived evidence wasn't really even real evidence that justified the thought she'd already had, the fear she already had that she was rejected. This thought for that person came from when they were a child and their father left their mother just suddenly walking out and then had a new wife and a new family and he had several children whereas she was just one and he stayed with that family a lot longer than he stayed with her and her mother and she grew up knowing that she was the rejected one and that new family knew of her but wanted nothing to do with her and the thought was ingrained within her and that thought, that scab, was over the wound that I spoke of yesterday. And I said a wound is often on a need. And a need is usually because of a spiritual human right. This girl had the right to be fathered. She had the right to be loved by both parents. She had the right to be accepted. Now, what I'm not saying is that you must have a mum and a dad. What I'm saying is that those caregivers in your life, they have a dramatic effect on you if they don't give the care that they're meant to give. I don't want to talk about whether it should be a man, a woman, two women, two men, a grandfather, a grandmother, or a guardian, an adopted parent, or any of that. What I'm saying is, when a child should receive care, if you hurt the child, you break the adult. And what I'm saying is, when a spouse or a lover or a partner is meant to be cherished and loved and stood by, if you break the relationship and hurt the person, you hurt their future. I believe you also hurt your own future. We all have spiritual and human needs. 
And these needs are usually born out of the fact that it is ingrained within our spirit that we have human rights in the spiritual world. And human rights, one of them is to be able to rely on love. And God is love. But love is shed abroad in our hearts when we receive the Holy Spirit. And love was also given to us as humans because we were made in the image of God. And he gave us love for one another. And we are meant to be able to rely on love. And therefore, when love is broken or fractured or not given or abused or used to hurt or, or not even thought about as we are discarded, that right isn't given that need is not met and a wound is created. And if that wound is not healed, and if the mind, the physical mind does not understand, and if the spirit does not understand, there is a deep seething pain within ourselves that we may not even realize is there until one day we look with open and enlightened eyes at our behaviour, at our attitudes and even at our thought life and our feelings and we suddenly see with the lights on that there's a skeleton of fear with muscle on the bones and it's been moving me in my life to act and behave in certain ways because I with my eyes have seen evidence that that thing that I believe within myself is true and some of the evidence might be real and some might be perceived. If that young lady had got into a relationship and then been discarded in that relationship, that may have been real evidence that she was rejected, but it was not evidence that she was eternally rejected or somehow inherently deformed. It was just evidence that the person that she was with on that occasion had discarded her and it may be because they have issues and problems of their own and nothing to do with her. Or it may be that she was too clingy because of this need and this scab and this wound, even in that relationship. But that is evidence not that she's inherently deformed or that there's something wrong with her or different to in her to other people. It's actually evidence that there's a wound. It's evidence that she has a need that has not been met. And therefore, that's affected her behaviour. It's affected her destiny, her life, because... She's needy, not that that is her fault. Each and every one of us has issues. And in any relationship, it's often not just one person's fault. Although we often in relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is, think it's the other person's fault. I read a quote recently and it said this. The cost of being right in any argument is that the other person is wrong. And in a marriage or a romantic relationship or a family relationship, you need to ask yourself, do you want 
the other person to be wrong? Or do you want the relationship? And sometimes it's better to bend and to work together and to love one another. As Jesus said, when you go to court with your accuser, settle, settle the argument before court. Gently, or you will pay forever. And what I noticed once was that this word accuser does not mean that I've done the thing. It means I've been accused of the thing. And it tells me to settle, me to go to my brother and say sorry. Even though I may not have done it. But he has something against me. And I want him to know I love him. And I'd be sorry if I'd ever done anything. And I'd be willing to put it right. That doesn't mean I change or I have to be different because they have a certain opinion of me. It means I have to love them. The Bible says pray for those who have despitefully used you and bless them and love them and care for them. This is a place of incredible humility where you have to strip yourself perhaps of every single bit of pride. But there's a reason you can do it and the reason is that you trust love. You rely on the love that was given to you as your human right. And that's the love that comes from God. That yes, is shed abroad into the heart of man when we come to know him. And yes, was given to us because we are humans. But Jesus said he knew what was in the heart of man. And so he entrusted himself to no man, but only to his heavenly father. But Jesus loved men. Jesus loved men and women. Jesus met with them and fellowshiped with them and cared for them. And it grieved him so much that they would reject him that Jesus cried. It broke his heart to the point where he hung on the cross and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because everybody around him was forsaking him, was forgetting him. And in, in circumstances and situations where that happens to us, we can often think that God has forgotten us. But what I love is that Jesus said, my God. My God, even when everyone was rejecting him, even when feelings told him that he was rejected, even by his God, he said, my God. Because his father was still his God. He was fully committed to his God. Fully committed to his God. And I'll say that again. He was fully committed to his God. Because he knew a reliance upon love, upon a spiritual love. And he knew that was his right. And in every circumstance and every situation, your right is to be loved. Your right is to belong. Your right is to be listened to because God has said it. And it doesn't matter who says something different or what you feel. God has said it. God spoke it into being. God chose it. God chose you and me and the human race to have a loving, committed and dedicated relationship too. And this is why when we have these wounds and when we have these needs, the Holy Spirit, who is the counsellor, wants to come and gently take the scab off. And he wants me and you to confess the need 
And often, first of all, he needs to tell, show us or tell us or teach us or reveal to us that that need is there, that that wound has happened, that that right was somehow interfered with. And that although we have perceived that because of something that was done or something that we feel or something that we saw or something that was said, that that wound was not fulfilled, it was always fulfilled in him. And that is where the healing comes. You see, the child whose father walked out was taught, you're nothing, you don't matter, I can forget you. I've discarded you, I don't want you, you're left, you're abandoned. But her God had never abandoned her. But in a physical body, and at a young age, and at any age, when this message comes as an arrow to the heart because of circumstances, situations, words, thoughts, feelings, or something someone has done, it often stabs us in a place that has a deep and lasting effect. It causes a trauma and a tightness and a tension within ourselves that has to be relaxed for the trauma to be released and we need to meet with the one who is the rock to have a foundation in that place that means we're not going to shake and crumble and fall apart when these things happen paul said that he was pressed on every side that he was shaken that he was beaten that he was rejected, but he was never, ever destitute or distraught because he knew the one who held him firm. Wounds, damage done because of life on this earth, causes fear. Fears that we don't even see and don't even know we have. Worries that we're always working against that we don't even know exist and the Holy Spirit gently takes us back sometimes through showing us our behavior sometimes through just gently talking to us and he reveals these things and some of them are too painful for us to even think about but he says come all you who are weary and I'm going to give you rest when he brings something up, it's because he wants to heal it. In Somerset, I have seven holiday homes in one complex. And the fire alarms that have been put in were quite cheap. In fact, a lot of the work that was done here before I took it on was quite cheap. And... Today, one of the fire alarms in one of the houses I are going off and I keep resetting it and it keeps going off. And I'm going to have to take the batteries out. I'm going to have to take the cover off and take the batteries out. And then I'm going to have to buy new smoke alarms and put them in. I'm going to have to buy proper, better smoke alarms. Because they keep going off, but there's nothing there. They're perceiving that there's a threat that doesn't actually exist. And they're screaming out into the neighbourhood to warn everybody but there's no threat. They think they're doing their job. 
But to fix the problem, I've got to take the cover off and I've got to get to the batteries and I've got to pull those batteries right out. And in this case, I've even got to replace those smoke alarms because that alarm is defective. And when you have been invested in in your life in a cheap way, when things have happened that God didn't want to happen, when messages have been given to you that are not his will for you, when you've been treated as less than your worth and sat in the unholy place like the prodigal son, he wants us to come to ourselves and realise what our rights are in the spiritual world and then look at how we've been treated and look at how we've treated others and look at what has happened in our lives and equate whether we have a wound or we've inflicted a wound. God said, treat others as you want to be treated but the overtones of that coming down the centuries from the king of love is treat others as I want you to treat them. Treat others as I want you to be treated. You know, the Bible says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Anything else? is a sin apparently but this is because we can't control anything we're not to pretend as if we can control anything we can't control life we sometimes can't even control ourselves but what he's saying is have integrity towards others and towards yourself desire to not deceive anyone desire to not Make a promise and not keep it. And if you can't keep it, explain why you can't keep it. Desire to act in love and to accept that others have spiritual rights given by the King of Kings and the King of Love, and you do too. And if you step out of those rights, you are going to, one, damage yourself or damage other people. And number two, it's a sin because God, God does repay when people are abused or used, especially when we mean it. And when we come to know him and we know these things are true and then we deliberately do it, there's an anger. There's an anger that comes from God because it's a deliberate transgression. This is for another series, but the word sin in scripture has actually several different words and several different meanings. One is deliberate, one is a sidestep that you don't mean, and another one is about motives. But sin is going against the spiritual rights of another person, and that may be of God, of yourself, or of others. And God is very, very straight about it because it causes tremendous pain inside of people. It causes tremendous problems and issues. And then there are consequences, as I've said, that can actually affect other people's destinies. You can damage a life and your life may have been damaged. And you may 
end up with anxiety and screaming out like the fire alarms when there's nothing actually wrong. Or believing something that's not genuinely true. Or fighting against a fear that isn't going to happen. And in closing today's part, I just want to say that even if that fear became true, even if that fear happened, the one thing that fear never tells us until the light is turned on and the king of love is allowed to speak is that you can go to the depth of the sea, but he will still be there. That you can, as David said, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he will be with you. That when you pass through the waters, they will not overflow you. That when you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. For he is your God and you are precious in his sight. And whatever has happened to you in all of your life and all of your being and whatever messages you've had, he loves you. He's fully committed to you and his is the love that heals the broken heart and sets the captive free. And he is the one who will never violate your spiritual rights, but is wanting so terribly desperately to take the scab off and heal the pain with every single bit of that right that you should have had from the very beginning. We are going to go into this series, we will look at the behaviour that is caused because of the original thought or fear and we'll look at where that comes from in different kinds of fears. But most of all we want to attack the bone, we want to attack the thought, we want to attack that message that violated the right, the spiritual right. Because only then, when we take the bone away, will the flesh have nothing to hang on and the movements and the behaviour then will change. Because we will not be looking at the physical evidence that backs up that fear. But we will know the spiritual evidence that truthfully and in reality tells us we belong. We are loved. We are valid. We are worth so much. God is so good to us. He does not let us go. And also, that we have a responsibility to treat other people properly. And to put things right when we have violated other people. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for what we are in you and what we're worth in you. And also, Lord, forgive us where we have treated others with less worth than they have. And then there, then there is their right. In Jesus' name, amen. I will speak to you tomorrow with all my love. God bless. 
If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.